You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Inslet has sponsored the Pharmacy Podcast Network and its guest, John Hale and Michelle Albrock, to support the creation of this content. This podcast provides general information about health and related subjects. This information and any other content provided in this podcast or in any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for medical expertise or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard in this podcast or read in any linked materials. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast and website have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution. Pharmacy Podcast Network, welcome back to another episode of Omnipod. Insulin has been an amazing partner of our publication, bringing us advanced knowledge of our technologies that are available to pharmacists as caregivers. You are part of that care team, our nurses, our physicians, surrounding our patients that are suffering with diabetes. Did you know that about 37.3 million people or 11.3% of the United States population have diabetes or have been diagnosed or even undiagnosed? And in 2019, according to the CDC, Approximately 7.4 million Americans with diabetes use one or more formulations for insulin. For those living with diabetes, the management of the disease is complex and can impact overall quality of life. This is especially true for those that are utilizing insulin as a part of their treatment regimen. As a vital part of the care team, pharmacists already see patients more than any other healthcare provider and are uniquely positioned to support people living with diabetes. This is a special episode. We get the perspective of our patients. This is diabetes. Don't sugarcoat it. We're understanding diabetes from a patient's perspective. And first, we're going to start off with a caregiver, a mother, a wife, someone managing their household as the key caregiver. Michelle Olbrett, thank you so much for being part of our episode today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My husband was actually the was the first person in my household with um, type one diabetes. Um, I did not p- play a very key role in his management. Um, he managed himself for the most part. Um, it became it really came to the front when my children were diagnosed with type one diabetes. My youngest was diagnosed first at age two and a half. Um, and then my son was diagnosed at age 11 to almost two years to the day, um, later, two years later. Um, when my daughter was diagnosed, I was completely blindsided. Um, I had no idea I, I, I had no idea how to manage diabetes. I had, I was overwhelmed. I was scared. Um, as any parent can imagine, if you have a two and a half year old and you're a full-time working person, um, how do you, how do you find childcare for them? Um, how do you, how do you manage day to day? And so I just felt like my whole world was flipped upside down. 
Um, and I also was really scared for her and what her life looked like. I was afraid of the future, um, you know, simple things you think of kids playing with or um, having play dates with a friend or um, interacting just in on a school level, like a field trip, you know, mom has to be there, mom or dad has to be there all the time. And I was just always, I was looking to the future, what it would look like, what her, what does her life look like now? Um, and I was truly scared. Um, I, my son got diagnosed. I want to say I was a little, I had a little more confidence. Um, I had been dealing with type one for um, two years, but it wasn't perfect. Um, I was, again, I was not as overwhelmed as I was scared. Um, I do have three children and it was, you know, that fear of the third one um, developing type one. And how do you, how do you manage um, just, just like day to day, how do you go to work and you have, you know, the nurse calling for one and the nurse calling for other. So it was, it's definitely been a lot, <laughs> but we manage. Michelle, as a caregiver, I think that gives you an aspect of understanding what your children, what your husband, your family's going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you just have, you have a different outlook, um, on it all together. It, it's just, you know, it's, it, I even compare it to what my husband, when my husband's been dealing with diabetes and he's been doing, he makes it, he makes it look so seamless. Um, he just, he was diagnosed when he was seven and I met him as an adult. So he made it look so seamless and it didn't look so difficult. And you just have so much more compassion when you start to see, um, you know, when I saw my kids and what they're dealing with. And I have a lot more compassion for others dealing with it as well. I just have a different outlook on it and how important it is to, I think a really big thing for me is how important it is to have a normal life while dealing with diabetes at the same time. Um, so I do, it's a very different, <laughs> it's a different outlook. So you, you're working a mother, you have, um, I can imagine I have four daughters myself, the pressures of, of being a parent, the worry that's constantly there. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of ways to make life um, more manageable, more freedom oriented, mm -hmm. uh, based on the goal of new technologies that are out there, such as continuous glucose monitoring mm -hmm. or insulin pumps to reduce uh, the burden of diabetes. Do you feel these technologies have delivered on the promise of that freedom um, or what gaps do you still see that exist? Um, honestly, when I, we first started technology, I actually started both the kids um, at the same time. Uh, my younger daughter, she just wasn't ready for it prior to that. She didn't want anything on her. She was a little, you know, she was only two. I mean, I'm sorry, she was four. She was two diagnosed four when uh, we started her on um, pump therapy and a continuous monitor. And I was definitely nervous to start uh, because I, I had gotten into a system. Um, it wasn't the healthy for me. It really, it wasn't the healthiest system waking up all night long, checking, you know, calculating insulin doses in the middle of the night. Um, but once the kids went on um, pumps, um, it has been, I honestly say it to anyone, it's been life-changing. It really has. My husband was on a tubed pump. Um, he did switch to the Omnipod. Um, he went to Dash and now to, uh, Omnipod 5 um, because he did see how wonderful the product was for the kids. Um, 
But I will say it's been life-changing to be on a pump. It is really scary to have all these insulin bottles in your fridge and you're making, trying to make sure you're not giving the wrong dose to the, to a different person. And my youngest actually started on diluted insulin. So we had to make her insulin and leave it in my fridge. So we really had to be so careful with bottles and making sure things weren't getting mixed up. And just to have the freedom of the pump has been for the kids, it's been wonderful. You know, they don't like the idea of having, you know, I, I remember, you know, they'd be looking around getting an insulin, do like, you know, an injection and they'd be looking around and, you know, who's looking, um, comments, um, you know, and it was just, it was like, you know, people say, oh, that must hurt. And, and you know what it does, it does hurt to get a shot, and, but they don't need you to tell them that. And so to be able to put a pump in a nice discreet place, they're getting their insulin, they're getting what they need. Um, the the calcul Everything's pre-programmed in there. The calculations are in there. Um, there's also parameters on in there so that you don't mistakenly give way too much insulin and it can cause so much harm to the child. So it really has been life-changing. Um, my kids love it and they love that they don't have to get injections all the time. It's every few days they have to put on a new, you know, a new pod and they go from there. And so they have said that they love it. And it's just even for sports or, um, you know, to have a tubeless pump, it's been wonderful for sports, like you or dancing. My daughter dances. It's just, you don't have to worry about finding a bag to carry this, this, um, pod with you. So that's been really helpful and they're proud to show them, you know, they're proud to show them. I think of my imagination as a child and, yeah. and the whole needle phobia that I had growing up um, to this day, I really, I don't think anybody likes needles, but you can get used to them. And that pod would seem very futuristic to me. I think they'd be 10 times cooler than having to put up with needles. And I, I think of your life, I think of your management, the importance of your role as a caregiver. And when you think back to um, giving insulin through that multiple daily injection. Um, how has an insulin pump uh, made your daily routine easier or reduced the burden of managing um, the diabetes in, in your family? Sure. So uh, they require insulin 24 hours a day. And as kids grow, um, insulin's a hormone. So their bodies are growing, their insulin needs are constantly changing. Um, and that means that includes in the middle of the night. <laughs> so when you're using multiple daily injections, you're constantly calculating, measuring insulin. And you also need to remember the last time you gave insulin and how, because the duration of insulin is very important. So it is, I have to be honest with you. I lived with a two notebooks one for my son, one for my daughter. And it was literally, I was writing down everything that I was doing all day long, um, all night long. And it got to a point that waking up in the middle, I mean, my husband and I would switch off, but there were times my husband also had a low blood sugar or had something come up that, you know, he had to manage. So I would, you know, we'd get up and here you are hoping and praying that you are giving the correct doses. Cause anybody knows if you're being woken up, during the night, there's a chance that you're going to make a mistake. You can make a mistake during the day, but during the night, I mean, you'd be groggy. You're just I, I, having the two of them. I could have one with a low blood sugar or high blood sugar one minute and the other one 
at the, you know, within minutes of the other. So it really was, it was a lot of lost sleep. Um, and I noticed it in myself and, but the daily injections are, were difficult. And another thing to think about too, is when you think of children and growing up, um, they want to fit in, they want to feel whatever normal is, right. They want, they don't want to be different. And when you have kids that are interacting with other kids or in places, um, whether it be a birthday party or a gathering of some sort, um, when you have to tell a child, okay, what are you going to eat? What are we going to have? And you're now going to step them away from the group. And now you need to do give their insulin. You really shouldn't be giving it in a public restroom. It's not the cleanest place. You're trying to find a place that's clean to give insulin. Now you're opening them up to, they're watching, people are watching them because kids, people get curious. They want to see what's going on. But not only that, they're now being pulled out and they're they're being singled out and pulled away. And now a child goes back, they eat, and then they decide, oh, you know, I want a little more, just like any other kid. Now you're going through the whole process again and calculating, and it does take time to do the calculations. Um, so you see where the burden is for the, like it's, you know, I was the one, I'm the one doing the work, but I'm not the one living with it and feeling that every single day. So. The idea of a pump or technology has been so life-changing for them. My kids will tell you at any point, oh, I'm having this now, having this now. It's been wonderful. Like, I mean, Halloween candy, have what you want. We take care of it. It's not a, it's not a, a big deal. We don't make a big deal out of it. And that's really important too, because what happens with, um, and my husband is really, he's, this is a very important to him is that diabetes burnout is a serious thing. You want it to be, you want to put diabetes in the background, but you want to make it easy um, to manage it because it's forever. That's it. There's no going back from this one. So um, my husband um, spent a lot of time with children with diabetes growing up. Um, he was a camp counselor for children with diabetes. And that was a big, big thing was diabetes burnout. So you don't want diabetes to take over their life. You want them to manage it and you want it to be happening in the background. So technology has really allowed these children to live a normal life. And the Omnipod 5 has been even more so with the closed loop. Um, it, it helps with the swings, the highs and the lows. It allows them to play sports um, without, without it being a huge ordeal. Um, you know, the pump, you put it in activity mode and it helps you out. Um, it knows you're moving, you're exercising. So it has been great for my kids and my husband. Thank you, Michelle. My favorite providers are pharmacists. I'm a pharmacist nerd, pharmacist fanboy. Um, so I, I like to hear your perspective of the care and the treatment and the advice and the counseling that you've received from your community pharmacist. Um, we actually have a great pharmacist. Um, we have a pharmacist that they actually spend, they have a lot of patients with type 1 diabetes is what we use. Um, they have been very helpful through the process of uh, managing diabetes, obtaining, you know, um, getting even purchasing or picking up our devices, our technology that we need. Um, because, you know, with anything that's new or it's, you know, to put this in perspective, when my daughter was diagnosed at the age of two, we left the hospital with a bag larger than her. 
um, that didn't sit well with, you know, that was tough on my husband initially, uh, a lot that was really tough. I was overwhelmed, I think with everything. So it was hard for me to just focus on one thing, but, um, that's what got him the most is that you have a, a two-year-old with a bag larger than her going home with everything she needs to manage day to day. And it was overwhelming because I mean, it, it, it was everything, anything you could imagine for diabetes was in that bag. And not only do you have to manage the diabetes and the day-to-day and, and, you know, keep this child, keep this child's blood sugar under control. Um, you also need to learn how to use all these devices. Um, you need to learn how long certain things last and how, you know, how much time you have on it. Cause everything's different. And I will say that we relied really heavily on the pharmacist. Um, and it was what I appreciated too, was that, you know, we had, we did have face-to-face interaction with the pharmacist, um, but also even on, on a phone call when I, you know, we would bring up or I would mention something, they knew what I was talking about. Um, that gave me a lot of comfort um, because to be honest, there were times I didn't know what I was talking about. I had no idea. Um, so they have been really, really great. And even in terms of insurance and billing and that sort of thing, they've been very helpful. Um, We've been very fortunate. Michelle, we've been fortunate enough to have you on this program sharing uh, your experience with our pharmacist listeners, physicians that are listening out there, our nurses that are out there, the key um, providers of health care and support for people that are are dealing with diabetes in their lives and uh, caregivers are key and you are a key not only as a mom and as a wife but as a <laughs> key caregiver to your family so thank you so much for sharing with our pharmacists today thank you for having me john hale lives with type 2 diabetes and learned about the omnipod dash from his physician and pharmacist Listen in to this conversation and John's inspiring story. This is a special episode because we get to introduce a second uh, person that is a patient this time, a person that's actually using this technology um, and in part of the um, Omnipod family. I want to introduce um, Mr. John Hale to our Pharmacy Podcast listeners. Thank you so much for being here, John. Thank you, Todd. So Thanks. tell our listeners about yourself and um, your experience um, using uh, this technology. Well, well, I'll tell you a little bit about myself first, my background. I come from a small town in West Virginia. My father was a coal miner. He was also a diabetic. And so my, uh, my siblings, my brothers were diabetics and, and uh, you know, they lost limbs and, and all kind of stuff due to diabetes. Now, I left West Virginia when I was uh, 19 years old. I joined the United States Air Force. I had a 23-year career in the United States Air Force. From the Air Force, I moved into law enforcement. I was a captain at the Hamden County Sheriff's Department here in Western Massachusetts. I did that for 23 years also. So that was 46 years of, of just, you know, solid work experience. Now, what really uh, uh, happened was, is that once I 
was in the uh, sheriff's department, I decided to go back to school to further my education. Now, I had an associate degree in computer programming and data processing when I got out the Air Force, but it wasn't enough to get me competitive in, in the market here in Massachusetts. I, I decided to go back to school, so I went back and I got a bachelor's degree in law enforcement. I got a master's degree, criminal justice administration, and then I went and got on and got my Juris Doctorate degree in law. So the, the problems with me actually started when I was in law school. My first year of law school, I'm sitting in the back because, you know, that's where all the cool people sit. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the back and I cannot read the writing on the board up front. Now we were in a, like an amphitheater environment and I couldn't read the writing. This was in 1999. And uh, I said, oh my goodness. I said, what's going on here? So <laughs> I never will forget my instructor was in contract law. And she said, well, John, you need to, every time she asked me a question, she'd write something on the board. I said, I really can't see that. So she said, here, she put a seat up near her desk. She said, I want you to come up here and sit and maybe you can see this board. And quite frankly, she was right. So about a couple of weeks later, I went and got an eye examination. My doctor said, your eyes are 20-20. Now what's wrong with that picture? So uh, from there, I said, okay, well, something's not right. I, I called a, uh, I was going to have an appointment with my medical doctor, my primary care. And I remember that weekend, it was the most, oh my goodness, it was the worst weekend of my life. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was so thirsty. I drank all the coolants in, well, I didn't drink the coolants. I drank all of the sodas in the refrigerator. I drank all the milk in the refrigerator. Everything drinkable in the refrigerator, I drank it. I would drink it and then to the bathroom, drink some more, back. And I, I called my doctor uh, that Saturday or Sunday morning, and she said, John, come in into the office. And uh, I went to see her at her office uh, that evening. And my blood sugar, I think it was in the neighborhood of 660. She put me on an IV and she laid me down on, on one of them hospital carts and I'm hooked up to an IV. Now, here I am, a strapping 48-year-old man. I thought it was the end of the world. I said, what's going on here? I'm hooked up to all of these things. But that's how I discovered that I had diabetes. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, we really, that's admirable. And I, I love supporting veterans. And that's really brings me back to the activity and the life that you were leading and the disruption to your life that comes with being a person with diabetes and how technology has advanced where five, 10, 20 years ago, things were so different. Mm -hmm. And it was so special for us to hear from a caregiver with Michelle and her family and the impact that this had on her family. You play a special role for our listeners too, because of a difference in, in being a person with diabetes, diabetes type two, and the technology that's being leveraged is the Omnipod Dash. And so I wanted to kind of learn more about that from your specific 
perspective specifically based on the goal of new technologies uh, regarding you know, your own experience um, regarding your blood sugar management and insulin, um, would you share your experience with, with the multiple daily injection therapy? And how would you describe that experience before you um, have the, had the DASH technology? Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, let me take you back a little bit. You know, I told you after I got out the Air Force, well, I did my job in the Air Force. I was in United States recruiting services at the end of it. I was in charge of marketing and all of these things that you had to do on, on your own. So I had to go out and meet a lot of people all the time. I never had a problem in the Air Force, but when I got out of the Air Force and I started to work at the Sheriff's Department where I worked, I was in charge of training all of the officers and staff that you had at, at the Sheriff's Department. And there were about, a, we had about a thousand people staff-wise. So that was a huge responsibility. It required me to travel a lot. Uh, you know, I used to go to one Ashton Burton place in Boston and, and talk a lot. And I had to talk in front of audience that I, I trained. The bad part about it was, is that my blood sugar was always up and down. I was always concerned if I was going to have a low sugar ep episode or a high sugar episode. And, you know, it happened to me a couple of times while I was in the middle of a meeting or I was speaking to people. And I tell you what, it's, it's terrible trying to sit there and hide the fact that you're having an extreme episode here. You know, but I must have pulled it off pretty nicely because I worked until I retired in 19. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 19 in 2016. Uh, and I retired in 2016. So up until that time, I was giving myself insulin injections. Now, let me tell you what. I had to buy for myself uh, these, you know, these little pin needles that you use. I had to have the syringes that you that you use. I had the lances. I had the oh my goodness! I uh, what else did I have? I had the uh, lances, the 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 little sensors that you put into the meters. Now all of these things were separate prescriptions, okay? And in addition to that. Uh, uh, you had to coordinate how you use them. I used to give myself a blood sugar test uh, when I woke up and right after breakfast, about 30 minutes after breakfast. So I had to be up extremely early. I did the same thing at lunchtime, before lunch and after lunch. And then I did the same thing at supper, before supper, after supper, and, be and before I went to bed. So... And then the other part was, is that if I had a high sugar reading, I had to do it two or three times in between that. So I was using 10 or 12 lances a day, uh, you know, so I'm just saying that the amount of equipment that you needed to get your blood sugar just to be level, it was extraordinary. And I failed miserably at it. OK, my blood sugar was sometimes as high in the high 200s, 400s. Now, I didn't tell you this, but I'm also a cancer survivor. I've had cancer since 2003. 
and I still take medication. I take low-grade chemotherapy. I take uh, prednisone for cancer. So all of this has an effect on your blood sugar. Now, here's what I'm going to say. In 2017, I retired in 2016. In 2017, uh, I went on low-grade chemotherapy and prednisones because I needed that to keep me from getting infections and from getting sick. Well, prednisone runs your blood sugar. I hope I... I, I hope I didn't mess up by saying that word, but prednisone makes your blood sugar go like sky high. And when I went into that treatment, when I went into that treatment, my blood sugar on a daily basis was in the 400s, just about every time I checked it. And I give myself a high dose of insulin. It would come down to maybe 200. I walk around five or 10 minutes. It was right back up there. Here's what happened. In 2018, I had a doctor who was a fabulous doctor. He, he was an endo, endocrinologist here in Western Massachusetts. I, can I say his name? Sure. His name was Dr. Thau. I, one, of my mo, one of my favorite people on the planet. I went into Dr. Thal and I explained to him how my blood sugar was so erratic. Mm -hmm. And he listened to me speak for about, just like you guys are, for about 30 minutes. And then he said, John, I think I have a solution. He said, have you ever heard of Omnipod? Oh, no, he said, uh, have you ever heard of those systems that you, that you can just put on your belt and plug into you? I said, Doc, I, I, I said, I'm not going to wear one of those. I said, you know, I run five, six miles a day. Uh, I'm drill instructor for the police officers. I said, I'm not going to be running around with a cable hooked up to my stomach. He said, well, there's another thing out called the Omnipod. And he said, you don't have any cables hooked up to that. I said, now, I would be interested in that. He and I sit down and he talked and my insurance initially would not let me get the Omnipod. And now I've got several insurance. I've got an insurance from where I worked at. I have insurance from the military. And of course, I'm an old man. Now I have Medicare, uh, but none of them would pay for it. And finally, Dr. Thau asked me, say, John, I want you to sit down and write out how many of these things you use a day, how many needles you use, how many syringes you use, how many, you know, and how much the, the, the um, prescriptions are. And I did that, and I took an inventory. He and I was totally amazed with how much money the insurance companies were spending on all of these accessories, okay? to treat diabetes. Mm -hmm. He got on the phone with my insurance company, and by the time he finished explaining how much money they were spending and how much they would save if they went to Omnipod, guess what? They approved it. That's awesome. Okay? And I was so happy. I was ecstatic. Now, here's the good part. The day that I had the approval for Omnipod, he called me down to the office, and he told me how to use it. He explained all the instructions, showed me how to put it on, how to take it off, uh, how to read it on my meter. 
We put some insulin in it. It was a young man there. Oh, my goodness, I can't think of his name, but he's out of Connecticut. And Teresa will probably know his name. Uh, Nathan is his name. A young man named Nathan, who, who is a nurse here in uh, Western Mass. And Nathan was there, and he trained me on the Omnipod. We put it on. When we checked my blood sugar before we put it on, my blood sugar was 420. We put the Omnipod on at two o'clock in the afternoon. I checked it when I, before I had supper, my blood sugar was 125. That's amazing. You know, truly amazing. And the other part of that is that when I look at what my average is, my average for my blood sugar for the last 90 days has been one, uh, 124. So that's how that technology helps you. It allows you to walk around. I can play golf. I don't worry about falling out in the middle of the street or while I'm driving down the highway. You know, I just have total confidence when I have that Omnipod. I don't have confidence when I do not have it. Wow. John, I... I appreciate that. That the testimony to freedom with the Omnipod Dash really kind of re restates and, re and brings to the pharmacist listening to understand it from your perspective, the freedom that you have, that you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to take the time to give yourself a shot. You don't have to be nervous about maybe eating something out of the ordinary one way, one day versus another, because the technology is there backing you up, and it's it's assuring that you're getting the right amount that you need at the time that you need it, uh, versus you having to. I'm like you, John. I I'm too hyperactive. I'm too on the go. I'm going to national conferences all the time. I'm at the airport. Like I I would not want to be worried about an injection situation and, and then losing it and, and oh goodness. So I'm, I'm so appreciative of you describing to those pharmacist listeners what your experience is with that. And I kind of want as a professional that you are and someone that is in marketing like myself and in business development, what, what's the stress difference for you during the day? There's so much stress that we're going through just in general, just as people living with family and taxes, for goodness sakes, and everything that we go through as a, as an, as entrepreneurs even. And so what's the stress level difference between having to manage your diabetes, the, the way that you were versus the Omnipod dash way of, of living your life now? Well, quite frankly, I, I was what you might call non-functional when I had the needle. Uh, as a matter of fact, I spent most of my time uh, lying down because I was afraid to get up and move around too much because I didn't want to pass out, create an extreme medical situation for my family. So I had to rest a lot. And I also had to rely on my wife a lot to do things uh, for me that I couldn't do. And uh, thank God that, that I have a, a wonderful wife and, and she took great care of me. And, uh, but most of the time I was just dealing with the ups and down of just having high blood sugar or low blood sugar. And sometimes you give yourself too much insulin, your sugar goes down, 
then you have to go to the refrigerator and start eating to try to get your, your blood sugar back up or, you know, eating these sugar products or whatever the case is, which, by the way, causes you to gain a lot of weight. Okay. So, you know, it's just a lot of stress factors there. But the biggest stress factor I had is that I had gotten to the point where I could no longer play golf which is my favorite pastime, by the way. I love to be out there on the golf course and stuff, but, you know, I've gotten to the place where I could not walk around the golf courses and, and, and uh, uh, have fun. When I went there, I was always worried about, you know, I don't want to have a situation where these guys are going to have to carry me or call an ambulance, an ambulance or, or something of this nature. So the bottom line is that it was very stressful stressful just to do activities. My old boss, the sheriff will call me and say, John, I want you to come out and do this. Or I want you to speak here. As a matter of fact, a couple of times he was running. He wanted me to be the speaker. I say, you, you know, I can't, uh, I did it, but I didn't really want to do it because I didn't know what would happen mm-hmm. once I got on stage. But I'm going to tell you what the Omnipod changed all with that. I became like a new man, okay? And uh, I, I went out there and I began to speak again. I'm very active in, in everything that I do now. In my church, I'm very active. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I end, I'm in the choir. I play guitar for the choir. I solo uh, and, uh, and I talk to people. I mean, that's, that's what I'm good about is, is creating that enthusiasm that most people don't bring to the table. I can do that with Omnipod, but you can't do that if you're coming up to people and you look like a, what's that slowest animal on the earth? A sloth. (laughs) 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 So you can't do it if you're you're coming up like in a snail-like manner and then you're asking other people to be enthused about a great day or something of this nature, it's not gonna happen. But the Omnipod put that, put, let me put it this way. It puts that pep back in your step. John, you and I are like meerkats. Uh, we're not like sloths. You're, our personalities <laughs> are the meerkat. They're all hyperactive and they're always looking what's going on and socializing. And um, this has been amazing. And this has been a treat for us. Our know our listeners, um, which are primarily pharmacists, are are appreciative of this. I want to give you an opportunity. You're going to be, you're talking with, hundreds if not thousands of pharmacists right now, I want you to give them some advice from a patient's perspective, from from someone that is living with diabetes, um, just regarding um, you know, what, what you would say to them to, to look out for and, and caring for people in their communities um, better. Well, if I could give pharmacists any, now I tell you what, I have a great pharmacist. I I, I use a young man, his name is Andrew up the street awesome. uh, at my, my local pharmacist. And man, when I come in there, Andrew says, Mr. Hell, what do you need? How's your diabetes today? What's going on? Are you keeping it under control? My biggest advice to people is, or, or especially pharmacists, is to take a few minutes to listen to people that have this problem. The biggest thing is that they're in pain and they need your ear and then they need your advice. 
Now, my pharmacist, when I have a problem, if I go in and say, you know, Andrew, I said, I need this, this drug, and I say the insurance company is balking on it, he tells me, said, Mr. Hill, I will get on it, and I'll get back to you at by the end of the day, if not the end of the day by tomorrow. And I tell you what, he has never failed me. That's awesome. So, Mr. John, Mr. John Hill, we have um, appreciated you. We thank you so much for your time and sharing this with our um, podcast listeners. And you're, you are an inspiration, so I thank you. Well, thank you very much, Todd.